0: Please kindly come with me to Luke chapter 10 let me just start there. I'll tell, I'm not a theologian okay so I'm not talking to you I'm just sharing a message with you and I'd like to encourage you like the church in Berea just go take what you are hearing and see what sense you make of it alright but I believe God will minister to us Luke chapter 10 I'll take from verse 25 On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Can I hear somebody say, Test Jesus? Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, How do you read it? And Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And with all your mind. And love your neighbor. As yourself. Verse 28. You have answered correctly. Jesus replied. Do this. And you will live. But he. Wanting, he wanted to justify. Himself. So he asked Jesus. And who is my neighbor? In reply. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half-dead. A priest happened to come down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed away on the other side. So too was a Levite. When he came to that place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan. Can I hear somebody say, but a Samaritan? But a Samaritan, he travelled. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he went out. The next day he took out two denarii. And give to him, give them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you have. You may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of Robert, The robbers. Jesus asked the expert. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him jesus told him go and do likewise can i hear somebody say go and do likewise (laughs) say it again go and do likewise (laughs) some people call this a parable even though luke mentions 17 times different parables this particular one You know, he was telling a story. Whether it's a parable or not, not, maybe the theologians can debate that. But the story was about the expert in the law testing Jesus. This is not a lawyer, the contemporary lawyers that we know in town. This is somebody who is an expert in the law. The mosaic law, the prevailing spiritual laws of the time. He asked a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Please note the question. He didn't ask, What must I do to be saved? He said, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Salvation and eternal life are. Two sides of the same coin, really. Salvation begins. The Bible talks about salvation as a gift of grace. You do nothing to end. Christianity is the only faith that does not emphasize what you do. Because there is nothing that we all do that can purchase the righteousness of God for us. Because the righteousness in this world before the Lord is filthy rags. Is the only faith that hinges on what somebody else did. The law taught us what to do and what not to do. Jesus came to envelope the law in fulfilling the law, taking away the legality, the, the legality and ensuring that we now believe him by faith. So grace came to us. And he says, We receive this free gift by faith. We don't do anything to deserve that faith. That grace. The Bible said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So salvation begins. But the question that this guy asked was what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he asked this question as a test. It was a trick question. You know when you see a test, it was tested. The motive behind the question is what is at stake. It's a big question mark. It came to test Jesus. Not what must I do to be saved, what must I do to inherit eternal life. In other words, I want to know what to do to ensure that I end up in your hands, Lord. Salvation is the beginning. Now, when you get saved, the next part of the journey is what this is seeking to address. How must I live? That's what this is seeking to address. When you become saved, what is the evidence of that salvation to our world? It was reported concerning the apostles that when they saw them, when they saw them, they knew that these guys have been with Jesus. And so my question to you is, what do people see when they see you? Very soon, some people will be baptized. A lot of us here may probably have been baptized. What is the evidence of your salvation to our world? That's the question that this lawyer is seeking to ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Let me give you a scenario like this. How many of you remember Zacchaeus in the Bible? You know, that guy who went to, the Bible calls him a man short of stature, went to climb a sycamore tree, and then Jesus was passing, and Jesus told him, come down today, Zacchaeus, salvation has found you. When Zacchaeus got saved, Zacchaeus did something. He said, whatever I have done to people, I'm going to get it right. If I have taken somebody's money, I'm going to restore it in multiples. There must be evidence of your salvation in our world. Are you listening to me? Otherwise, you are a fake believer. And we have a lot in our world today. I know I didn't come here for you to clap. Because some of what I'm saying may even be offensive to you. That is the Christianity we have in our world today. It becomes offensive to preach the gospel. To believers in the church. But I don't mind. As soon as I finish, I'm going back. (laughs) Listen to me. How many of you want to end up in heaven one day? How many of you want to end up in Jesus' hand? You got to pay attention to this, because salvation is the beginning. Salvation is the beginning. The aspect of the Lord knew the answer. Jesus, look at Jesus was sometimes this sense of humor. Jesus asked, "What is written in the law?" When he asked Jesus the question, Jesus threw the question back at him. I've lectured the university here for so many years. Right down the London School of Economics there. Sometimes when students ask us questions, we throw the question back. And they do know the answers. Sometimes they may not know that they know the answer, but the way you reframe the question and give it back to the student, they will give you the right, and then you commend them. Teachers here, don't give answers like that. And they ask you a question, not tell them. No, 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 no. That's not good teaching. I'm not going there. That's a message for another day. But Jesus here... Look at what Jesus said. What do what is written in there? And the guy answered. He answered verse twenty-seven. He answered, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all." Your, he knew the answer. Look at what Jesus said in verse twenty-eight. You have answered correctly. Jesus replied, "Do this and you will live. Do this and you will have eternal life." Now I would have expected that the matter would have been settled there. <laughs> Shouldn't you ask a question? We have come to an amicable response. Jesus said, this is correct, 100%. You should go and celebrate your results, shouldn't you? But look at this. Verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked, so who is my neighbor? Love the Lord your God, the vertical relationship must be in place. With all your mind, with all your heart. And love your neighbor. That's where the issue is in our world. And so the man asked, so who is my neighbor? You can see some attitude there, can't you? And it was this that Jesus was seeking to bring some exposition to that I want to draw your attention to today. Are you with me so far? And Jesus said, let me tell you who a neighbor is. And Jesus framed this story. Whether it was a real life story that happened or whether it's a parable, I'll leave that to the theologians to decide. But for me, I take it as a story. Because that's what it is in here. Jesus said, there was this guy who was coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. If you look at the topography of the place, Jerusalem is above sea level. And Jericho is below sea level. It's about 3,000 feet slope down, about 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. There are valleys on the side of that road. In fact, the valleys are referred to as the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you have read Psalm 23? That valley is by the road to Jericho. And Jesus said, This guy, was going to Jericho, and he was attacked. The robbers go to ambush there, and they hijack all these pilgrims and some of these guys who are coming from Jerusalem, and they rob them, and so on. So Jesus said, this guy was attacked, and the Bible said he was left half dead. Can I hear somebody say half dead? The priest came. The priest saw the guy half dead, Look at him away. Never attended to the need of the guy. Now I can understand why he may have done that. That's, that could just be purely speculative, speculative, because he probably doesn't want to touch the unclean thing. I'm a priest, I'm going to the tabernacle. You know, I don't want my hands to be soiled with things. If I go and touch dead, but I'm not allowed to. Now, the Bible says the guy is half dead. Possibly there may be blood spillage somewhere. As a priest, I'm not allowed to touch blood. I'm allowing my spirituality. I'm very religious. You know, I, do, I, can, I can't deal with these sort of things. I'm, I'm going to church. I'm going to preach. The congregation is waiting. Let me tell you this. Sometimes, as men of God, we must get our hands do the work of God but he didn't do that that's a matter for another day so the priest left the guy the guy was half dead if it was your son your daughter your uncle your father that person was also created by God in the image of God left the guy there and then the Levite the Levite in our world today will be the elders in the church every priest has to be a Levite but not every Levite will be a priest. The priesthood comes from the Levitical priesthood. It comes from the Levite. The elder came. At least he came to look. <laughs> Can I hear somebody say he came to look? Look, how, how deep is the soul? Is there was the blood? Okay. Mm. Yeah, I've got choir practice, you know. <laughs> I've, got, I've got elders meeting. I've got mentor. I'm teaching the Sunday school. Human being is bleeding. Human being is dying. And going to work in the church. And then the Samaritan came, was a businessman. I can imagine this guy's diary full of appointments. And Jesus said, This guy came, put everything aside, attended to the guy, took oil, cleaned the guy up carried the guy on his donkey took the guy to an inn. hey guys come take care of this guy he's dying check his blood pressure and everything i'm busy i have to go somewhere please take care of him and he left some money he said i'm coming back to check how he's doing and jesus asked the expert of the law which of these three people that i have described is a neighbor look at the answer he gave in verse 36 which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers verse 37 the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him now let me give you a little bit of history about the samaritans samaria was the original capital of israel in 723 BC, Israel came under Assyrian siege, and Israel was held captive. And Some of the people there became prisoners of war in Assyria. But Assyrians left some people in Israel when they captured that place. And so some of them intermingled and married in Samaria with the Jews, the Israelites. And so they became misbreeds. That's where the Samaritans come. And so there has been animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And Jesus was saying this parable and will use the Samaritan to typify that truly when he dies, the veil will be torn and there will be no more Jews or Gentiles. So that Samaritan was there. And look at what the expert in the law said. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. He couldn't even mention Samaritan. Jesus didn't talk about the one who had mercy Jesus talked about the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. And he asked a simple question. Which of these three? So you will have expected this expert of the law to mention one of the three. Is that right? He said, the one who had compassion on him the one who had mercy on him so he knew the right answer the hatred and animosity in our world today among believers is shocking and detestable I'm telling you we are those who have been commanded by God in John 13 34-35 he said a new commandment I give to you that you love one another As I have loved you, that you also love one another, that by this, can I hear somebody say by this? The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. It is in our generation that Christians hate one another. And we are those who are commanded to love. So the expert in the law, the priest, the Levite, very religious, they came to pass. It was the Samaritan who came to show love. And it's this Samaritan that Jesus was seeking to expose as a neighbor. The expert in the law, as far as he is concerned, neighbor is a noun. My English teacher taught me that a noun is the name of a person, place, or a thing. He was expecting Jesus to tell him your neighbor is the one living next to your house. But Jesus typified through this story that neighbor is a verb. Neighbor is that person who has a need that you have seen that jesus expects you to be attracted to with a heart of compassion and love neighbor is a verb to jesus and neighbor is not a noun it's okay to clap clap is free so when jesus asks so who is my neighbor when a guy asks so who is my neighbor Jesus was seeking to teach our world today who your neighbor is. Do you know that that guy in trouble in the office is your neighbor? Do you know that the guy who you are fighting, you are supposed to be helping you know that that guy in need that God has opened your eyes to is meant to be helped the guy was on his errand he stopped and attended to human need that person who you think is at that train station sleeping in the cold that person was also created by God. Do you know that you could have been that one? We are only who we are because of the grace of God. I said, when you wake up on a daily basis, grace has found you. Do you know that there's a difference between waking up and getting up? How many of you know the difference? There's a difference. There are people who wake up but can't get up the world in which we live, we are supposed to be helping one another. The help that the one sitting next to you has is a need that God has positioned you by him or her to help. So neighbor is a verb. Neighbor is a need. Neighbor is, look at 400 banks this church has donated to food. God bless you people. I said, God bless you. I expected you to say amen. Amen. Is it hard to say amen? Come on, somebody shout, amen? amen. Who did it? You did it. You did it. A heart of compassion. Jesus is seeking to teach us something through this experience. Let me prepare to round up Let's look at the significance of what we are learning from this parable. What does it mean? Now we do know that neighbor is a verb to Jesus and not a noun. Please, redefine your relationship. The Bible says, oh man, nothing but love. You tell me, what do you gain from hating one another? Do you know that in the Bible, hate is equated to murder? And you think you are going to heaven with that attitude? You call yourself a Christian? When you see your friend in need, you have to come come to help them. What help do you give? Go to that place of prayer. Lord, I thank you for my brother. I know he's struggling in this area. Please come true for him. I know we are not in agreement on this, but Lord, reveal yourself to all of us. We are supposed to be waging war against the kingdom of darkness. How can we be fighting amongst ourselves? Imagine my wife and I fighting. Sometimes we'll be traveling in the car and I'll tell her, get this scripture for me. Where is this scripture coming from? I'm thinking of this. I was planning a different message to share here. Until like Monday, Tuesday, I felt the need to share on eternal life did he know that they will be, be baptized did he know this people are giving their life to Jesus recommitting and dedicating we are to go and walk in the love of God in a world that is so dark the Bible says by this shall all men know that we are his disciples by this are you with me so let's learn a few lessons in the story and then we pray The man traveling who was rubbed in there represents the needs of humanity in the story. Jesus is basically telling us that open your eyes to the need of people around you. Let me tell you this. You are somebody's answer to prayer. Are you with me? yes you are somebody's answer to prayer many years ago i used to live in ghana with my wife we just married then this was under the clinton administration they were deciding to choose some african bankers to america pay for uh, them to come and study everything was sponsored by the american government something happened of all the 30 that were chosen on the continent my name was one of the 30 that came up and was chosen what did i do to deserve that that was my opening door to traveling abroad they took my passport to the American embassy and brought me a visa. I didn't go to embassy to collect visa. Somebody took a decision when different names was put on their table and decided 30 names. And one of the names of the 30 was my name. I pray for you in the name of Jesus that when heaven is deciding to locate people to favor them, may your name come up. I say, may your name come up. And let me tell you this. When God opens a door for you, that door is not for you. When God makes you a leader, God is not giving you big mouth. God is giving you a voice to speak for those who can't speak. Oh, it's a right point there to give God some praise. (laughs) Who will speak for the poor? Who will speak for the marginalized? (laughs) Who will go to the mission field? I did some mission work in Kenya a few years ago, and this gentleman and the wife was brought to me. They They said, these guys can't have children. My wife and I were married for five years, no children. We lost six pregnancies. Pregnancy come, pregnancy go, pregnancy come, pregnancy go. One day my wife was in the hospital and my father was being laid to rest in the cemetery. I had to go to the hospital to make sure she's all right and then I was driving right through the cemetery to where my friends and family were waiting. I was burying my father as well. I don't know how I survived on that road. But today, God gave us three children. And so on the basis of that testimony, I told this couple in that rural part of Kenya, I said, God can come through for you the same way he came through for me. So I prayed with them. I left them. The following year when I went, The woman was pregnant seven months. Two months after that, they sent me a photo of the baby that has come. That medical sign said no. Where will we be if we were fighting? The one who I will pray with, coming to this place we've been praying and seeking God. What do you gain when you fight somebody? Some of you are here. You don't talk to some people in this place. And then you come and stand here. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. And then when your eye hit the person, you are... Uh, uh, uh. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment I wake up, what are you doing to yourself? I want you to tell the one sitting next to you, I need you. And you need me. How I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour. I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need. When we get from him, we share love. The love that he shows us, we share with our brothers. Who are the robbers in the story? The robbers in the story represent evil powers. Listen to me. I don't need to tell you that there's evil in our world. I don't need to tell you that. There's evil in our world. And we need God's grace. Jesus prayed a prayer in John 17, 15. He said, Lord, keep them from evil. I'm praying for you, church, and for all those in the overflow and all those online. I'm praying for you in the name of Jesus that the Lord will preserve and keep you from evil. I said, may the Lord preserve and keep you from evil. In the name of Jesus. I said, in the name of Jesus. May the Lord preserve and keep you from evil. In the mighty name of Jesus. I was ministering in Uganda. And this lady came to me. Apparently, she was a witch. According to her testimony... As soon as she came and touched me, she felt like a baby. She fell down. Can you imagine the work that we do in some of these places? Some of you don't know Africa well. (laughs) Lift up your hands. Do you know why in December we lose more lives on the Earth than any other month? After Halloween, October, the demons go into manifestation towards the end of the year and they suck the blood of people. Go and Google and look at the satanic calendar and you will know what the evil powers do. I'm praying for you in the name of Jesus that the Lord will protect you from evil. I say, may the Lord protect you from evil. May the Lord protect your family from evil. The Bible says in Isaiah 54 "Said no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me in judgment thou shall I condemn. He said this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And our righteousness is of the Lord. Isaiah 59 19. He says so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun that when the enemy shall come against us like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift the standard. I pray in the name of Jesus, that the Spirit of God will lift the standard against every enemy in the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus, let the enemies of the church of God scatter. I said let the enemies of the church of God scatter. Scatter them from where they are. Scatter them Lord. somebody shout Jesus will build his church and the gate of hell will not prevail somebody shout Jesus will build his church and the gate of hell will not prevail put your hands together for Jesus somebody make some noise make some noise hallelujah hallelujah oh yes let me run up quickly because of time uh, the priest in, in there represents the law The Lord put us under incest and oppression, told us what to do and what not to do. Sometimes we have to overlook. Look, they were even questioning Jesus. Why are you healing on the Sabbath? And Jesus asked them, was the law made for man or man for the law? Hallelujah. The Levites in the story represent the prophets' ability to declare the mind of God. You know, sometimes you must just tell the devil, don't pass here. Don't wait until they come to you. Tell them, don't pass here. You may have attacked my grandfather, you may have attacked my uncle, you may have attacked my father. But as for me and my house, somebody shout! As for me and my house, the Bible says we shall serve the Lord. We break their backbone. We destroy their activities. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The wounds represents disobedience. Listen to me. Don't work your way into disobeying God's word because you will attract misfortune if you disobey God. The oil and the wine represent the gospel of Jesus. The oil is a disinfectant. How many of you know that the word of God is medicine? That's why man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. There is a milk dimension of the word. There is a meat dimension of the word. And there is a wine dimension of the word. The milk dimension of the word is when you start with that. The meat dimension of the word is when you grow in the word of God. See, children behave. Everything worries a child. Mommy, I don't have food. I don't have water. and The food is too hot. The pepper is too much. Everything worries children. You are a baby Christian if everything worries you. An adult, when he goes to the kitchen, if there is food he will eat, if there is no food there, he cook some. When you become a man, the Bible says you put away childish things. You see, a mature believer, there are certain things you look that you haven't seen. When you come to church, you focus and serve the Lord. Don't be part of Things that happen in church, divisions, enmity in your home, in the office—you are always noted for problems. No, you must be a solution career. I say you must be a solution career. I don't in, in our church, in our home. I don't entertain. When I, if I have an issue with my wife, let's sit down right now. Let's deal with issues. It doesn't cost money to say sorry. Tell your neighbor. It doesn't cost money to be polite. Do you know where that will take you? Look at the there, there, there may be somebody here you are not talking to. You may be online. Maybe tomorrow you are going to the office. And the one next to your office, you may not be talking. When, when You know the time they come. 8.40. So when traffic allows you and you get to office on time and it's 8.40, you park somewhere and wait. Because you don't want your path to cross. You think God hasn't seen you. And then when you come to church, you are coming to sing. Do you know God loves us to repent? How many of you want to end up in the hands of Jesus one day? That's what you do to inherit eternal life. You love your neighbor. Hallelujah. The end there is the church. The inn the man was taken to is the church. The church is not the exclusive preserve of saints. The church is a hospital for sinners. We are all sick in need of a physician. Somebody shout, I need a savior. See, when you, we go to the hospital, we pray for people. When you go to the hospital and you are praying for them, their mind is not on their bank account. When they are giving you that terminal diagnosis, your mind is not on your bank account. Somebody shout, I need, a I need a savior. What I'm telling you, sit down and learn sense, learn wisdom, and go and live by it. We must all bring ourselves to humility under the cross and allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead us. The Samaritan there is Jesus. The Samaritan in the story is Jesus. Jesus never leaves you. He said, my mother and my father will forsake me, but the Lord will lift me up. And he said, I will never leave you. The priest forsook. The Levite forsook. It was only the Samaritan who matches The characteristics of Jesus of the three. The Samaritan, it was Jesus. And then Jesus said, Take care of the guy. When I come back, Jesus was telling them about his second coming. That's eschatological, revealing himself that I will come back to this earth. And he said, Until then, occupy till I come occupy. Church, Jesus is coming back. We don't have the luxury of living anyhow anymore. Are you with me? There is real heaven and there is real hell and your life will be in one of these two places when your time comes.